Hey everybody and welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy, sitting right next to me at the bedroom table is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Again, just at the normal table. Just at the normal table, it's Megan. All right. (laughs) We are going to talk news, we're going to talk ratings, we're going to talk Rampage, and we are going to talk Dynamite. Um, but before we do any of that, we're going to do what we kick off every week with, which is... The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Okay. We got a really exciting pop for for our listeners today. Okay. It's a Kirkland-branded White Claw. What? Grapefruit. Grape? Oh, not nice. Okay. I tried last week on the show. I tried the lime, Costco, Kirkland, sparkling water, seltzer, seltzer spiked, and uh, all of the traits. <laughs> and, and it was quite good. And then my second pop, I tried the black cherry and I made it through two sips before dumping it. So we're going to try the grapefruit tonight. Okay. It's been quite a journey with the Costco. Sounds like it. That was resonant. Mm-hmm. Is that an okay pop? It was a very it's okay pop. Crack. Yeah, crack going on. I have, uh, I have, I had my caffeine earlier, and I'm abstaining from alcohol until Saturday because we're going to have a big uh, wine tasting. Uh, so I just have a big thing of water tonight that I'm sipping through a straw. The straw is blue. There is no sound. <laughs> there is no sound. <laughs> Megan. Uh, I'm also attending that wine tasting, but have not decided to abstain. It's <laughs> like Thanksgiving. You've got to prep yourself for it. Yeah, I'm trying to like get my my stomach and my my blood alcohol levels in a nice groove here so that you know we're all ready for saturday so i am popping open a bottle of brute mum um because my sister did a amazon fresh order and they have that unlike kroger who will never include it in my click list orders so here we go You had to work for that mom. That mom, I don't know if that means it's old or new or perfect, but it it almost took my arm off. <laughs> it really did. And you you have Hulk hands. Like, Megan has really <laughs> strong hands. And if and you were using your champagne tool, I am, that was a hearty cork in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, excited for some mom, though. I haven't had mom in a bit. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I feel like it's uh, it's one of those, it's in line with like a Shandon. It's affordable. It's a weekday sparkle. Uh, I just, Kroger will never give it to me in my click list order. And I'm, I'm sad by that. Boo, Kroger. Boo, Kroger. Okay, so <clears throat> we're going to, we're going to mix the cheers, everybody. Uh, Leave me pop of the week. Uh, we're going to mix things up a little bit today. We're going to start with, uh, we're going to start with news um actually i'm just i'm just trying to do things chronologically um mm. because some stuff happened between our last recording 
and even the airing of Rampage. There was like more news than usual on Friday last week, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, so starting out, uh, this is uh, all this is from uh, F4W Online. It was announced that on Friday, uh, last Friday, that is, that weekly episodes of AEW Dynamite and Rampage will be coming to NJPW World in Japan soon. The AEW content is being added at no additional cost to New Japan World subscribers. AEW's Tony Khan responded to NJPW World's announcement with, We did it! NJPW commentator Chris Charlton noted that it's a regional deal for Japan only. Um, so, oh, so we wouldn't... You can't unless you're VPNing in. You could VPN if you if you subscribe to if you subscribe to New Japan World through a VPN, then you could yeah, then you could have access to this stuff. <laughs> what? what? I just okay. I just wish my immediate first thought was oh, so will we get the like? Will it be? Vice versa too, and then I realized there's no, there's no AEW streaming Not network yet. to put New Japan matches on. It'd be weird if like HBO Max had like DC, uh, uh, <laughs> Looney Tunes, New Japan Pro Wrestling, like hell like yeah, buckets. <laughs> um, so this is a, this is like a little bit of a follow up to that story. Uh, episode, this is a few days later. Episodes of Dynamite and Rampage have started to be made available on NJPW World in Japan. Um, the Wednesday, April 6th edition of Dynamite and Friday, April 8th edition of Rampage have now been uploaded. English commentary versions of the shows will be uploaded a few days after they air in the United States, while Japanese commentary versions will be uploaded as soon as the commentary is recorded. Commentator Haruo Murata and New Japan star Shingo Takagi are the Japanese commentary team for Dynamite, uh, for the Diamond episodes that's available now. Uh, this this story also reiterates the AEW content is region locked and only available to users in Japan. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's interesting. It do, it doesn't mean a lot for us, but it is it is interesting that it seems like that relationship between those two companies is pretty strong right now. Yeah, I took that as a positive towards the partnership there. I mean, New Japan's not showing up on. WWE's network either. You know? No, remember, remember when that story was like floating around? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. So I will take any anything that seems to be strengthening the relationship between AEW and New Japan because then we'll get more New Japan people showing up and eventually maybe get the other side of this coin and be able to watch New Japan matches and, and shows. That'd be nice. Uh, Tony Khan says he's been having conversations with Warner Media about the future of Ring of Honor. The AEW president spoke with ESPN recently and said he hopes that ROH will continue as a weekly series with major events similar to Supercard of Honor. I've been having more conversations with Warner Media about what we can do together to grow Ring of Honor, Khan said. I think it would make sense for Ring of Honor to continue as a weekly series and major events. I think the success of Supercard, critically and commercially, will bode very well for Warner Media really taking an interest in Ring of Honor, as well as AEW. I think there's great potential to have a complimentary wrestling brand. Um, Khan also revealed that he utilized AEW resources to produce Supercard of Honor with the permission of Warner Media. Uh, earlier this week, which is now last week, 
Dave Meltzer reported on Wrestling Observer Radio that ROH Supercard of Honor did more than 20,000 buys on traditional pay-per-view and streaming, uh, which is a really good number for Ring of Honor. But not a good number by AEW standards, but I don't know why you would compare it to AEW standards, so... Interesting. That if if he takes it to a weekly sh- show, that just seems like a lot of planning. Tony Khan will have like he'll have to buy more notebooks. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't get overwhelmed. I think that's too. I think he's gonna have to start delegating and entrusting some of the vision and storylines and everything to other people and like the actual writing of the show because I don't think you can write three shows a week and write them well and book them well. Maybe Ring history, of Honor's history enough. Suggests, history suggests that that is the case. Yeah. Oh. Well, maybe it's like separate enough that he would delegate it. Because I feel like Dynamite and Rampage are kind of his babies. But Ring of Honor, you know, he bought it. You can You can put somebody else over there to creatively control it. Hopefully. Oh. Although with the amount that he's integrating Ring of Honor stuff on the show, on the main shows as it is, I, you know, it, it seems like maybe that's not what he wants. Yes. Well, I just don't want, I don't want the quality of the show that I watch every week to go down <laughs> selfishly. I, I want to keep his focus on what he's doing there because it's okay. And between Rampage, Dynamite, and Twitter, Tony Khan, there's only so many hours in the day. And there's only so many hours in a week Megan will watch wrestling. <laughs> True. I have to make cuts somewhere. Okay. Here's the one I know you guys want to talk about. The online vitriol between fans defending the respective WWE and AEW products on social media is a daily occurrence in pro wrestling, but Tony Khan says he knows why that is. An online campaign against his company... The AEW head took to Twitter Friday to claim that an independent study has confirmed that much of the staunch anti-AEW online community aren't real individuals. It's a staff running thousands of accounts, plus an army of bots to signal boost them. Look closely. These aren't real people. Who'd pay for such a wildly expensive thing? Khan then went on to tweet, Research this one yourselves. You internet detectives thrive in these situations before going into a plug for Friday's edition of Rampage, as he is wont to do. Several minutes later, he kept going. Several minutes after that, he questioned why so many of these, those accounts were just tweets and replies. The source of the independent study, or the study itself that was cited in the original tweet, wasn't identified by Khan. On Wrestling Observer Live, Brian Alvarez said that Khan had commissioned the study and observed afterward that Khan owned his own analytics company. Khan said he is using an independent person to do the study and not his own. Uh, Wrestling Inc. reached out to Khan for comment and got the following response. Waiting for final study, but here's what my expert confirmed. It's people with real live accounts making posts and then using their bots to manipulate the social channel algorithm by backing them up with engagement from a made-up Twitter identity. Social media teams will often fight on this. Bots are great for numbers, and when they're gone, you'll see a dip in digital conversation impressions. Both those, both those were, were, ni- were either negative sentiment or not real anyway. For example, I tweet, Mega only eats rotten bananas. 
I throw, say, 18 bots behind it, which takes about five minutes to do. Jenny Twitter hunts se- you down in your home and murders you. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter security can't differentiate when done well. Neither can most social teams. The problem becomes every time people type mega into the search bar, because of a real account supported by bots, the first suggested result will be tweets about mega eating rotten bananas. I'm oversimplifying, but that's the five cent version of what's happening. <laughs> so. That would have gone. So that's, that's TK. TK was clawed out on Friday. Like, it was constant, like, post after post about his journey. He took us all on his claw journey through this. <laughs> I, I truly truly wish and hope that one day I get so rich that my biggest concern is a bot army trying to defame your wrestling company hiring a company to do a study on Twitter and bot engagement so that I can prove proof in quotes that all the anti uh, my show sentiment is coming from bots and and people who are paid and is not real because if that is my biggest problem in the world uh, i will have achieved greatness honestly <laughs> like i will be so far beyond where i am now with my everyday worries if that if that is what i have enough money and time to waste on so <laughs> like, you're- so your your kind of read on this is like it's not not even whether it's likely or unlikely that this is what's happening just that like he shouldn't care this much yes truly like i really like tony i love what he's doing with this company but the pettiness and the the concern about not how well you're doing so much as how much criticism you're getting and where it's coming from and how you need to disprove it if you're fully comfortable with yourself and i'm saying this as someone who's definitely not fully comfortable with myself (laughs) um you don't have time to think about people and their petty criticisms of you you're too busy doing stuff that you want to be doing the way you want with full confidence that what you're doing is awesome and if people don't like it who cares there's plenty of other people that do you know like your focus is not good if you're paying a company to do a bot study on Twitter, (laughs) is what what I'm saying. I I don't understand the the lack of confidence in his product that that sort of, to me, implies. Because who cares if people are criticizing you? Who cares if all the WWE fans are criticizing you? That's not your market. You know, like, if you've got a whole big, super loyal fan base and your numbers are good and you're in the black otherwise, which I know they're not necessarily, but – their business isn't bad. So, like, why are you focusing on this one thing? Why are you concerning yourself with it? Why are you amplifying it by posting about it on Twitter? Like, I guarantee you, if there weren't haters out there before, real people probably are like, let's fuck with this dude, you know? Well, I, and they're putting their bot armies probably behind retweeting his, like, crazed, you know? Yeah. I, I, I just don't think he should be approached every single situation so personally like it's your business it's i and i know as someone who takes a lot of things personally i shouldn't say anything but like it's just always coming from this like hurt child type like scenario that i just feel like he's always like i don't know take taking everything so personally and 
focus so much on like what other people think about him and not necessarily like, I mean, he spent, I guess Rampage wasn't live. So it's not like he was writing Rampage, but it's like he spent all day on that when like he should be like, I mean, he, he did, to be fair to him, he did plug Rampage at like the end of every one of those tweets. (laughs) Yeah. He made sure to do his business, but I honestly, I guess, yes, Andy, you your question was correct. Like to me, the revelation that there are bots on Twitter that do stuff is really not new. Like it. Okay. Tony Khan. Thanks for hiring somebody to determine that, but welcome to the internet. To me, the more interesting aspect is like, what are you doing, sir? Like what, (laughs) why is this part of the business that you're like, what, what other business could you be doing instead? I guess like what, what did I mean, Jenny, it sounds like you're kind of on the same page as me. Andy, like, what did you think? Did did you have a different take on it? I think this is probably happening. Um, I also think that he shouldn't have said anything about it, especially if he wasn't prepared to just produce the produce the study. So he wa- is he not willing to produce the study or is he just the study? The study's not done. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I, if he was going to say anything, he should have waited until all the data was in, I think. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, if I'm going to hear about it, I would like to be able to, like, look at it and be like, oh, that's interesting. Because, I mean, there was a whole arc on Silicon Valley about this. Um, great show. Not my end of the week or, you know, non-wrestling plug. But I'm just saying, like, the concept of people hiring bots to up numbers or to sway social media stuff like this is it's not a new concept and the fact that it's happening to you doesn't make you exclusive or special in any way it's just like kind of part of business in this day and age and i honestly don't understand why it's such a concern (laughs) for for tony khan to be clear i do think people trolling and being awful on the internet is like a whole problem for you know smaller um people women people of color but like tony khan a billionaire's son with his own wrestling company. Why are you spending time on Twitter, Tony? Why are you getting so riled up by the people who might not like your product that don't actually matter in in the end? Like, it's just a weird look for him. He has two wrestling companies now. Yeah. Two. Okay. So like, <laughs> seems like you're doing okay. Do you need to look to Twitter for validation? I feel like you shouldn't have to. Enjoy your life. Do your thing. The AEW audience loves this shit. Just enjoy that. Speaking of Silicon Valley, is Jay Lethal the Thomas Middleditch of AEW? Ooh, maybe. Because you are like, not you. You you are our person. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) Everybody's awful. Honestly, at this point, yeah, it's like, it's not innocent until proven guilty. I just always wait to hear, like, proof that everybody's good it's a very jaded outlook things come out about jay lethal no but he's like he he is at least that we know of the most problematic person in aew and thomas middleditch is the most problematic person on silicon valley so and tj miller was on that show so oh that's right oh that might be a horse race actually (laughs) i think thomas middleditch is more disturbing because it's like TJ Miller. I was like, oh, you said some really fucked up shit, but that's not a surprise. Thomas Middleditch, it's like, you're our nerd 
like our nerd guy. You're man of the people, but you're, you're you know you're funny and sweet and not threatening. And it turns out like, but actually you are threatening. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of that of like nerds who get a little bit of money or get like a nice job and then like really just start overcompensating and like taking out their like pent up yeah back shit on other like i i think megan you saw that a lot with the guys that you worked with i saw that a lot right out of college with the people that i worked with and uh it was uh it's wild what people will do in front of you and they're like oh we're friends it doesn't matter that what i'm saying about uh you know your gender or your the per- like type of person you identify as uh we're cool right and it's like what um but yeah kudos to AD- aew though because even though i'm mad that jay lethal is getting airtime i do think that the proportion of bad to good in that company is, is it, like probably the best out of out of the wrestling companies that are that are big and on television oh megan <laughs> So this is wild. Okay, so there's this promotion in uh, in Mexico called the Crash. It's an indie promotion, but it's like it's like one of the more well known ones. They book a lot of fairly big names. They they straight up booked a tag team match on their next show, where one of the tag teams is Marty Skrull and Travis Banks. <gasps> oh no! Wow. Two guys who cannot work in their own country, let alone this one. But no, nah, the Crash. That's fine. <laughs> like, I, th- I guess they just figure like. I guess the Mexican Russians just or like that Mexican Russian just figures like, yeah, nobody knows who these guys are over here, <laughs> which which begs the question, then why? What is the value of booking them? then? True. Yeah, I would have thought controversy, but you also make a totally believable point. These two white boys from overseas, like who the hell are they? <laughs> they are still trying to be wrestlers. Yeah, but it's like. In the public eye, like... But it's like, Mexico is, like, literally only the place where they've been able to get bookings in the last t- almost two years. Yeah. And that's how Which I guess be. is good. Like, it speaks it speaks actually fairly well to the wrestling business that, like, these two are pariahs. I'm, I'm, that makes me happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally... Like, I have no sympathy for them, and I feel like the fact that they're still getting paid to do wrestling is, um, you know... I would like it if they weren't, but also, yeah, if they're not stars and they have to go wrestle in Mexico for, I assume, lower pay. Honestly, no offense to Crash, but I don't know what your promotion is, no, like how so. big your yeah. promotion is. Um, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, okay, uh, Blood and Guts, AEW's version of a War Games match, appears to be returning in just a few months. AEW head Tony Khan revealed the news in an interview with ESPN Friday. This is that same interview we referenced earlier, saying to expect it to return this summer. Uh, However, when it comes to another AEW staple in Stadium Stampede, it appears that match will not be in the cards anytime soon. Oh, no. Khan told ESPN that while he's thought about it, running shows in the post-Daily's Place pandemic era has changed his mindset on that specific match. It's a very different wrestling world now than it was during the pandemic. I think it's a great match, a signature match for us that people really enjoyed. But some of the reasons we presented that match were because of the challenges that existed in the world because of the pandemic. As far as presenting sporting events with live fans, that doesn't really exist in this in this uh, live event era. 
Oh, I liked the the mix though they did with the last one where they pre-taped some of it and then, you know, partway through they they came yeah. back to the ring. I thought that was smart. Yeah. Yeah. Why because don't they just sell tickets to the stadium to watch it. <laughs> People would pay that would for be that. Kind of well, cool. <laughs> I don't. Know. They might not want to like do do that much behind the curtain stuff because you'd have to do because you do so many like setups and different camera angles and stuff like that. I don't see why you couldn't just do a special episode of Dynamite from Daly's Place where where it's just like it's Stadium Stampede and you do the whole presentation, you know? Yeah, you have the fans out there. Well, no, you have the fans in, in Daly's Place, and then you the same way you did the last one, you do like the last, you know, you do the last stretch of the match in front of the fans. Yeah, because then you get some like interesting stuff, and like honestly, I don't know that I I don't know how I feel about this because I'm just now thinking of it with the prospect of perhaps never getting another stadium stampede mm-hmm. but it it very much is like an inner circle match to me and mm-hmm. so the That's fact true. that they've, they've broken up though I would like to see one last stadium stampede where the Jericho Appreciation Society goes up against Eddie Kingston like the, the group they're fighting now plus like two more people that they find you know just as like a final we're breaking up like maybe get Sammy on that on Kingston and Santana and Ortiz's side and you still have all the inner circle in the match right yeah yeah, and then this is like the great breakup and also we go out on the match that kind of we made a name for in the pandemic era I just think that'd be a cool way to close it and and then fine then I'll I'll let go of the stadium stampede but it's kind of kind of sad to hear that it might be done I love your idea, Megan, and I hope that Tony Khan is listening and takes it. I would need to criticize him on Twitter to get his attention. <laughs> well, maybe we can put your idea on Twitter and then put a bot behind it to like get his attention. <laughs> and then I'll plug Rampage and be like, just just kidding, Tony. Love the product. <laughs> I I just remember when we watched when we, I remember the conversation when we were like gonna order um, double or nothing in 2020. It was the first pay-per-view of the pandemic era. And I remember Jenny saying like, they're not going to charge full price for it. are they?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I just remember like, well, they, remember what those shows were like at the Atlanta studio. That's what we were oh, like used yeah. to. Like they had just gone back to Daly's place at this point, but like we were used to those Atlanta shows. Yeah. Those, those, those tapings were, were kind of dire. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do remember, you know, like there was a kind of excitement about stadium stampede. And I remember like Jericho did an interview like the day before a couple days, like, cause they'd already taped it. And he had said, like, this thing is, like, this is, like, the best thing I've ever done in my career. Which, you know, <laughs> Jericho says a lot of things. But um, but I remember we watched it that night. And it was just, like, it was so, it was, like, really cathartic um, to see a match like that. that di- it, it, didn't, it didn't remind you that there was a pandemic going on because of the way it was staged. It, it was completely original there was just some, there was some kind of magic about it and it was so lighthearted and it was, I think it was exactly what wrestling fans needed at that moment. I think it was the perfect match for the, for the moment that that was upon them then. Yeah. Cause like there wasn't a crowd, but for the stadium stampede, it made sense. Like, of course there's no crowd. They're just going through 
they're like in the football area and then they're going through in the like bar area. It was, oh, I remember it fondly. It was perfect. And um, it was not an edge match that lasted an hour. <laughs> it's true. Jenny has WWE stable. She goes back to as comparisons for things and I love it. You never get that time back, Megan. I I know. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. That brings us to AEW Rampage for April 8th, 2022. Uh, this was this was the Blackpool Combat Club show in a lot of ways. And uh Megan just <laughs> <laughs> just oh her eyes her eyes like rolled back in her head a little bit <laughs> <laughs> all right so we are in boston because that's where we were last week for uh dynamite and we open uh with william regal joining the crew on commentary um jericho seems to not this is like two weeks in a row that he hasn't been on commentary so i wonder what's up with that oh well, he wouldn't stop screaming yeah, maybe the crowd has spoken. <laughs> maybe. Uh, we open with uh, Brian Danielson and Trent Beretta. And these two had a really, really great match that everyone completely forgot about 45 minutes later. Um, <laughs> but, Which is tough <laughs> yeah, for them. But, but... I, but, I, but I really want to point out that they had a great match. It was they did a lot of really uh, cool stuff in it. Uh, Danielson finished it with he didn't do the label lock. He did like the setup for the bell lock, and then just like grabbed Trent by the chin and like twisted his chin. <laughs> it was really fucked up looking. Um, that was very cool. Regal was great on commentary. Uh, everything, everything, everything about this was perfect. Like. There's there's nobody better at talking about Brian Danielson's uh, violent artistry uh, than William Regal on commentary. It's true, but I think he's bonding uh, with Excalibur, not on this show, but I think when he joins them on Dynamite, I think Regal Regal respects Excalibur's knowledge too, with the moves and the the names of the moves. <laughs> yeah, man with the mask. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, so Danielson does get the win. Very, very good. Uh, we go backstage, and Dan Housen tries again to curse Hook by popping out of a garbage can, and Hook just, like, hands him his empty bag of chips because he's oh, already he, in the garbage can. He drops it in the can. He does oh. not hand Dan Housen the <laughs> chips nicely. He drops it in the can. So Hook, uh, or so Dan Housen then wanders aloud if it's the chips that are giving Hook the powers. And then, yeah, he reaches down and he's like, mmm, chips. And he starts yeah. eating them. Uh, Scorpio Sky and uh, Lambert and uh, Ethan Page are in the ring. And Sammy and Ty interrupt. And uh, Ethan Page tells Sammy that he prays that his daughter doesn't end up like Ty Conti. <laughs> And then Sammy Guevara what tells his daughter. His Ethan's daughter. daughter. Oh, Ethan's daughter. Yeah. He's <laughs> hoping Ethan is hoping that his own daughter does not turn out like Ty Conti. Oh. As a and father. Then Sammy, and then Sammy Guevara tells Ethan Page and everyone who's listening that he doesn't give a shit about his daughter. <laughs> and then and then the crowd starts to boo Sammy Guevara. 
Um, that's the catalyst for the booing? Uh, I, I think, I, I really think people are just done with these two. They're, they're so obnoxious. Now, but intentionally they so, it? right? They're trying to turn heel, right? I hope, I hope so. They seem heelish, but I can't tell if it's just them. But also, like, I fully popped for I don't give a shit about your daughter. <laughs> I was like... Well, you can, oh, yeah, you can relate to that. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Ethan Page. Anyway, so this, this is just yet another feud where uh, Dan Lambert is, like, he's doing, he's pulling out all of the heel stops, but, like, the people that they have placed him against are less likable than he <laughs> is, which is incredible. Like, yeah. first with Brandy and uh, and uh, Cody, and now with uh, Ty and Sammy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. We do get a little spot of Chris Jericho here because he uh, names QT Marshall the Sports Entertainer of the Week. Interesting pick, Jericho. Yeah, and uh, it's you know, I feel like I feel like the uh, the fix was in against Jericho because QT Marshall is in the next match and loses quickly. Well, not too quickly, like about five minutes or so to Swerve Strickland. <laughs> um, decent match, uh, but. Uh, I believe this is the point at which we get the tag team match announced for Dynamite with Keith Lee and Swerve versus Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Mm-hmm. Which, when they announced that match, I was like, oh. <laughs> that's, that's exciting. Oh, we'll get to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I I kind of felt bad for the, these two. I, I don't even like QD, but this is like kind of the doom spot, right? Because the other two... They're, you know, you got the Blackpool Combat Club taking up two slots there, and they're obviously going to wreck everything else. And I don't know. It's just like you think Trent and Brian got lost in the mix. Like this match was ultimately nothing on this show, and and I feel bad. So I'm glad that that Swerve at least gets another match scheduled for Dynamite. Yeah. Uh. We get uh, another Marina Shafir uh, package, and uh, unfortunately, that would... uh... (laughs) We'll get to that, too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, all right. Uh, Owen Hart Foundation qualifier, Willow Nightingale versus Red Velvet. Uh, Willow Nightingale loses, but definitely had the crowd on her side. She was a local favorite, right? Yes, yes. Um, but I think, I don't know, did you, I guess we can talk about it when we get to that Marina Shafir match. Uh, but I, my impression, because she was in the baddie section, I guess, is that Red, is Red Velvet a heel now? I almost wondered if the crowd reaction from that match, they like decided to turn her that way because... I think she thought she was the face, and then the crowd was like, boo Velvet, go Willow, and at the end, she got booed for winning, and then she kind of did like a, she did her like stirring motion, but it was very much like, suck it, crowd. So, I don't know. I, I assume she's a heel now, because you can't be in the baddie section without being a heel, right? I didn't think so. I, if that, if that is, I hope that's not the reason that they did it, because if, if you're going to turn everybody who gets booed against another wrestler in that wrestler's hometown, then I, I think. Then you're going to be turning a lot of people. You're going to be turning a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. 
I, maybe I just don't have all the data, but I think the last time we saw Red Velvet on Dynamite, she was being a friend to Chris Statlander and fighting Layla, who is very clearly a heel. So I don't know what would have changed in that. Like, I don't watch Dark and Elevation, obviously, but yeah. seems like she was a face pretty recently. Yeah. So this match itself, I like the match. I thought Willow... Uh, I think like I think there's something there with Willow. Willow is cool. I was I was rooting for her. I'm like I know you're not going to win this because it's Red Velvet, <laughs> but I wish you would because she, she seemed like she was having fun. She was good at it. Like I was all for it, and she is an ROH person, right? Like or it was? Like, yeah, she wrestled. She wrestled on the Supercard show. I don't know. I don't know if she was a regular with him before then. I would imagine so. Okay, because I would be pro her joining AEW and being, like, another larger lady um, doing some of the monster work Nyla doesn't have time for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love cake. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that, too. I loved it so much. <laughs> she's the, she is just the fucking funniest. Um, I don't normally uh, mention, like, match announcements on the Rampage because, you know, it's usually, like, well, we're going to talk about it on Dynamite because that's when the match took place. But I and everyone on the internet was so goddamn excited when the Samoa Joe versus Minoru Suzuki match graphic appeared. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that really, I tell you, that really lit up Twitter. Um, there were no bots out in force uh, for that announcement. Even the bots were swayed. <laughs> well, only Tony's bots were out. Yeah. Uh, Tony Nice. Is uh, he's sick of being ignored, and uh, so Mark Sterling is uh, offering to to shepherd him. So I don't know. It's something. Hey, Mark Sterling, he's putting in work recently. You know, like he he's apparently over the show now. Yeah, he has a lot of clients these days. And he's in on like almost every uh, Ethan Page uh, toy vlog. So yeah, he's really busy. Is he like a cool dude? You know, she's. He's- he, he rules, yeah. Okay, because he seems like he he seems funny, and he seems like he'd be fun. And I don't know, like I would hate to hear he's just a total asshole secretly, or like no, not that I know. He seems like he's just like a really fun, happy guy. Oh, great! I love it. Yeah. He exudes that energy, even though he's representing just all the bad people. Yeah. Uh, and that takes us to our main event, John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta. And they start this match the best way possible as Moxley is doing his entrance and Wheeler Yuta interrupts the John Moxley entrance with like the fastest dive you'll see this side of Darby Allen. And it's on, it's on from there. This was the, this was like maybe the most intense match in the history of AEW. These two killed each other and John Moxley Gave Wheeler Yuta everything. He he let him kick out of the paradigm shift. He let him kick out of the Death Rider. He survived uh, the rear naked choke. He he survived everything. It was it was like I you could he not do you could not do more to make a guy in a match where you were going to beat him. I don't think it's possible. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, I hate to bring up. Another meet a guy who got me too. But remember when Jordan Devlin had his match against uh, 
what's his face? I keep ben thinking Balor. Devitt. Ben Balor. Yeah, yeah. Remember how that was like, I feel like he gave a lot. That's kind of on par. Like, that's where I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because, yes, this veteran is doing so much. But I, I also, that's part of what I love about Moxley. I feel like he loves the business. He just wants it to be good. And he gave this kid a, a lot. And what a showcase for Wheeler Yuta, who, is he... Is he in the club now, or is this like a yeah. tryout? He's in the club. Okay. Yeah, that, he's in. Okay. This is because I think I believe after the match, which uh, Moxley won, uh, he uh, he choked him out and Yuta passed out. Uh, or did tap? he tap? No, he, he didn't tapped. tap. He didn't know he didn't tap. He passed out. Okay. Didn't tap. Um, More respect for a pass out than a tap out. Yeah, he he <laughs> would not voluntarily exit the match. He had to be unconscious. So, so Regal and Danielson join Moxley in the ring, and they're all kind of surrounding Yuta, who is just bleeding buckets. Uh, yeah, he he <laughs> did the thing where things. he sort of fell over, and then he was near the ring apron, and then all of a sudden, uh oh, he's bleeding. Yes, and he he like he raises his fist because he's afraid that the, you know he's going to have to fight three guys now, but Regal extends the handshake that Wheeler was going for the first time they met. And Wheeler accepts it, and Regal tells him, now the real work begins. Yes, and Wheeler, he used his own blood to write BCC on his chest, which was both gross and, like, aw. That's pretty gross, though. It was his blood. I mean, I'm glad he didn't, like, you know, pull from somebody else, but... Aside from, um, aside from the first dance... In Chicago. I think this was my favorite episode of Rampage. Yeah, this one was great. Thoroughly enjoyed. Like, not a bad moment on it. Just the fact that it was bookended by such great matches. Kind of if you feel bad for the middle boys and girls. Yeah. So, how did the ratings do for this? Because this was the big thing going into the show. Uh, did the bots go wild? <laughs> uh, Rampage had been plummeting, so Tony was like, I'm gonna yeah. give you a show like none other, and I feel like you delivered. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage averaged 600,000 viewers on TNT, up 31.6% from the previous week, the best audience for the show since January 28th. Rampage finished fourth on cable in the 1849 demo with a 0.25 rating, which is a 66.7% increase from the previous week. That ties the January 28th episode for Rampage's highest rating of 2022 in the demo. Um, In the individual ratings categories, the audience increased with every age group, with the exception of people over 50, which were down about 5%. The biggest increase came with females 12 to 34 which had a 333.3% increase over the prior week. My God. <laughs> Rampage went from a record low rating of 0.03 to a point to a uh, 0.13 with females 12 to 34. Um, Rampage also had a big increase in the 18 to 34 age group, doubling the rating from a 0.08 to a 0.16. Uh, yeah, so it, and they are, let me see. This was up 20% in viewers and 32% in 18 to 49 as compared to the last, the average for the last three months. So Tony did it. Big success. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see 
if he could maintain the momentum tomorrow for the live show, because they do have a huge title match, obviously, but it's also at 7 p.m., which is, you know, yeah. even though that sounds maybe better on paper, it is still like out of people are creatures of habit, you know? Well, and, and it's 4 p.m. In, on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it sounds weird, but the fact that it's seven and not eight, I feel like eight is like, yep, that's when you watch television at night, live television, you know, like seven, yeah. li- seven, you're still kind of catching people ending dinner, getting settled in. It's right. a little early. It was a little early. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think they could have, uh, I don't think the news could be better for that, for that week at least. I would be totally happy if Tony decided that um, he just had to had to make Rampage really Must great be. all the time. Yeah, like, why yeah. not? <laughs> okay, uh, some more news before we get into Dynamite. A new name has reportedly signed with Ring of Honor slash All Elite Wrestling. Khan, K-A-U-N, one half of the new tag team Gates of Agony with Toa Leona that made their debut at ROH's Supercard of Honor event, has signed with the two companies, according to Fightful Select. Previous to the sale of Ring of Honor to Tony Khan, Kwan had been part of the Shane Taylor promotion stable, where he was one-third of the six-man tag team titles, along with Shane Taylor and former tag team partner Moses. They lost the titles to Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch at Final Battle in December. I don't know who any of those people are. Since yeah. ROH shut down temporarily following Final Battle, Khan had made appearances on AEW Dark at Supercard of Honor earlier this month. Tully Blanchard introduced Khan and Leoa as the first members of his new stable called Tully Blanchard Enterprises. So, okay. they're signing some people for for the ROH projects. So that's good. But it sounds like they're dual contracts. Yeah. Speaking of dual contracts, Paige Van Zant wants to remain in bare knuckle fighting championships and is working on a contract extension with the company. She told MMA Fighting that despite her losing streak in the company, she plans on remaining with BKFC. I'm still bare knuckle boxing, Van Zant said. I'm still with BKFC. I'm about to sign a contract extension. Of course, I don't have the I didn't have the greatest success right off the bat, but that also fueled my fire even more training harder, and I do see a lot of relationship between my training for BKFC and my training for pro wrestling. The great thing is that there's 24 hours in a day, and I'm going to use every single hour of that to train for both. You should use some of it to sleep. Van Zant <laughs> has an 0-2 record in BKFC, most recently losing to Rachel Ostovich at BKFC 19 back on July 23rd of last year. Bare knuckle boxing sounds badass, and Paige, if you want to do it, more power to you i just feel like signing on with AEW and being a pro wrestler would be like an easier schedule and maybe i'm one of those people that doesn't use all 24 hours in the day to be productive i definitely sleep um but i'm kind of surprised considering she she did just sign with AEW i know tony seems to be flexible as far as letting people go do other things but i don't know if i had to pick a schedule and a training routine i feel like i'd go with pro wrestling seems less painful yeah the the thing the thing the thing that surprises me about Paige Van Zandt's kind of career trajectory with combat sports is that she decided to do the bare knuckle fighting instead of just going to a lower level MMA company 
um, like a Bellator or something, because she's not she's not a boxer. Like that's not her background. She's a grappler, mm. and I I, I just I don't. Th- I guess what I'm saying is I think that the bare knuckle boxing is like, it's not, it's, the, it's going to have, it's the same weakness that she had in MMA, which was stand up, you know? Oh yeah. Like she's not playing to her strengths. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just feel like, like, I don't know, like maybe there wasn't an offer there, but I, I would feel like, feel like Bellator would have loved to get a hold of a page Van Sant because she's very marketable. Um, yeah. That's the thing is like, of all the MMA ladies coming into wrestling, I mean, I know WWE's got Ronda, which is the biggest get for sure. But like, and I hate to like glamorize this, but Patreon Zant is super hot. I assume super talented. And like, I don't know. She kind of strikes me as better at pro wrestling than some of the people they have pro wrestling right now. Like some of the women wrestlers. So like, Bellator for sure. I, I'm surprised they wouldn't snatch her up. Where you know there's real, real fighting, but also like characters abound. Um, yeah, that that's weird. Um, Paige Van Zandt. I hope you don't get hurt doing real fighting, so that you can continue fake fighting and maybe make a mark. Because um, Dan Lambert, you know, he needs a lady in his stable. Yeah. But I mean, God, it sounds like she hasn't had a fight in nine months. So I mean, maybe, you know, who who knows? You know, maybe that's just kind of bargaining chips to try and get a contract extension. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Pat Buck, who gave notice to WWE after WrestleMania 38, repeatedly, uh, reportedly started as a producer for AEW during last night's Dynamite. Uh, PW Insider reported that Buck was backstage at the show in New Orleans, began work as a producer, the same role he had in WWE. Uh, a source told PW Insider, who's also backstage at last week's Dynamite show, Buck helped produce the Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar match that headlined the second night of WrestleMania, also helped produce the Charlotte Flair Ronda Rousey match. Uh, the following day, he informed the company that he was departing. Um, so... This is interesting because this is the, exactly the same way that Sanjay Dutt came to his position in AEW. He was working for WWE in the same role. He finished up a pay-per-view. I think it might have been the Royal Rumble last year. And then he was, I think he was at Dynamite the following Wednesday. <laughs> so wow. there's a pipeline. Uh, so Pat Buck, you know, you guys probably don't know him by name, but uh, he runs a wrestling school called Create a Pro Wrestling. And uh, some of his trainees include Max Caster, uh, Bear Bronson, MJF, wow. Smart Mark Sterling. Uh, let's see if anybody else is Chris Statlander. Oh, so he's, I mean, he's just like made for this company. Yes. So basically he's going to be working with all of his, all of his students, which is which is probably like pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Megan, I think, I think that's everything. Oh, oh, there is one more, there is actually one more thing. Because more there are a couple news items that will play directly into Dynamite, but, uh, so Fightful Select had a report yesterday that regarding the AEW video game, 
there has been internal talk of the game being released in September. Uh, so that's that's really all the information there was. But I mean, that's you know that's the closest we've gotten to any kind of release date. So yeah. I feel like I feel like if the game is actually coming out in September, we're probably going to start hearing a lot of things about it soon because I would think it would have to be close to completion at this point if that's the case. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised. I I kind of forgot it was a thing just because it seems like we have not gotten a lot of updates or heard about it. Um, they were pushing the the mobile game really hard for a while, and I don't know. They stopped doing that at least on Dynamite and Rampage. So I kind of kind of lost track of their games division and their game statuses. Um, but if we see an AEW video game in September. That would be a fun surprise. For sure, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised to know that it's been pushed, but uh, I'd, I'd love to, if it's ready, I'd love to play it this year. Yeah, and you know what? If it's not, I hope they have the courage to just push the date and deal with it, unlike some other video game studios. Um I, I think they will because it's not like you know this is just like a report from Fightful. This is not even they they haven't said anything publicly about a release date, so there's nothing there's nothing even to like push back to the public. Yeah, yeah. I just I feel like there's a lot of pressure on this game because it is their first console game and mm-hmm. also recently wrestling games outside of uh, Fire Pro are just bad, <laughs> like just not not good and so if they can put out a game that is both um relatively bug free in this this constant update era of gaming um and it's fun to play i feel like they would set themselves apart they'd have a real winner like that would be really cool if they could pull that off and Considering Kenny and some of the other people in the company are huge gamers, I'm hoping that they they do make smart decisions around that. But I don't know. I'm excited to kind of see what they've got going on. Me too. I would I would just I just like to see some more footage, honestly. It's been, I feel like it's been a really long time since we've saw that like footage of Darby Allen doing stuff in the ring. Yeah, because I'm assuming that was at least somewhat mocked up. Because, like, how how far in the development cycle were they at that point? I'd like to see some actual gameplay and progress as far as you could actually expect this to be in the game when it when it comes out. Right. Yeah, me too. God, that Fire Pro Wrestling, the last Fire Pro Wrestling game, that was that was almost in July. That'll have been five years that that since that came out. So, so yeah. So we're. It's it's been a it's been a bad landscape for a while. Although I do I I have heard that people are liking the new WWE game that they actually you know they took the year off and they actually you know did some good work. So hey, if that if that's what it takes, I think they should be more judicious in in doing that instead of trying to hit a mark every single year and delivering really bad things that they have in the past. Right. Yeah, I, I just don't. I feel like I feel like a smarter way to do something like this is to like more than most types of games. Like like you remember, so you know how um like Fortnite Fortnite for instance is like 
season based. Like, like it's always Fortnite. There's never Fortnite two, you know, or Fortnite three. It's like, it's the same game. It's just like a platform and there are like a new seasons happen. There I are points like, where like everything gets sucked into a black hole. Isn't that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. And I, I just feel like the, the, the way a way to do this wrestling thing is build a really great base game. And then the main thing that you would be monetizing going forward is just keep updating the roster and selling roster packs of, you know, new wrestlers and stuff. Yeah. Cause really, I mean, fundamentally like that's, uh, well, I, I guess, I don't know. You would be able to speak more to it, but when I think of a wrestling game, I do just think of it in terms of like a fighting game where I don't know that there's a deep story, but you get to fight and you get to be the characters you really like to watch on television. Yeah. Um, I know WWE has done like various levels of um, what is it like career mode or like mm-hmm. like you become the wrestler. Uh, and I don't know how successful those have been. It sounds like maybe not at all. So uh, if you really did just kind of gear it more in a fighting game type of way, I think just roster packs and maybe even like arenas or like notable back like levels, obviously, or like you know, background stages. Um, I, I don't know. I would, I think I'd be fine with that if it was just like, here's the platform we release and, you know, don't expect a all elite wrestling two or three in the future. So yeah, I think, I think you've got the right idea if you like Fortniteify it in that way. Yeah. Jenny, did you just crack again on? I did. I found a lime one. The grapefruit was much better than the black cherry. Oh, good. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll, of course. I mean, send to- send another tweet to Tony. I guess Aubrey in this situation with all, yeah. with all the wrestle game Tony, ideas. Kenny, right? Isn't Kenny, doesn't Kenny run the games division? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll continue to keep you all posted about any updates with that game because, you know, they're worth talking about when they come out because they don't come out. <laughs> like, we don't hear about this game for months at a time, so. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Megan, uh, I think it is dynamite time, finally. Oh, it's dynamite time. Let's go to the Uno Lakefront Arena in New Orleans. Our debut in New Orleans. Yes, and... Um... We've got the, hometown hero Ricky Starks here, but you know we'll get to him later. Yeah, we uh, and we also have like a very, a very, I would say a very loud, good crowd. But I think they sold a lot less tickets than they, they anticipated because when I looked at Russell Tix's report of of the uh, of the arena yesterday, it was like they they distributed thirty five hundred tickets and they were set up for forty five hundred. And I just thought, like, man, like, it's their first time in the market. New Orleans is a good wrestling town, historically. I don't know what happened here. And what happened here is the uh, the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, the NBA team, uh, made the playoffs. And their playoff game was happening the same night in New Orleans. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I believe oh, that no. game sold out in NBA arena. So... <laughs> Okay, well, I guess in that sense, then I am 
I'm glad to know that's the cause because the crowd that was here, uh, they got the hardest of the hardcore. Like they were very loud, very into this show and not in an obnoxious way, which I appreciate. So yeah, the people that showed up. Well, except for the guy with the, the, the French, uh, the French, uh, let's go Brandon, uh, sign that was in the front row for a lot of the show. Yeah. It's like, cool guy. Do you know what, do you know what this company is? Like, (laughs) Not on brand for that. Uh, whatever. Screw that guy. Uh, but yeah, we're in New Orleans, which is fun. And the first match, we start the show out pretty strong as we usually do. Um, tonight's opener is CM Punk up against, up against Penta Oscuro which means he's still coming out with the the gravestone and Alex Alvarantes looks like he's a dark priest. Love it. Very theatrical. Um, this match was scheduled because apparently Punk put out an open challenge on social media last week and Penta was the first to respond to that. Um, I'm not on Twitter, so I didn't know. But, you know, interesting pairing, I thought. A lot of people responded to it. <laughs> Oh. I'd have to I'd have to look at look back and see if he was the first one, but it was I think it was definitely the most interesting matchup. Yeah, I I don't know why these two would otherwise cross paths necessarily, at least not in the current state of AEW. Like I don't think they have beef for any reason to fight each other. They're both top five ranked wrestlers this week. Good point. Penta is the fourth in the rankings at this point. I didn't know if Punk was ranked or not. Punk, I believe, was fifth. Okay. So, regardless of not knowing where Punk stood, the fact that Penta was ranked fourth, that's kind of a big thing because a win over him would boost Punk's status either way. Because I assumed he was not above Penta. Um, And fortunately for him, for Punk that is, he was able to get the win. He used the GTS, but he spent the whole match nursing his left knee, which he uh, supposedly tweaked during like a move very early on. I'm assuming it was kayfabe because he seemed to be moving around at like just fine but at points in the match i did think like oh god is he okay so (laughs) well he he was going for a very ambitious um top rope hurricane rana and he slipped and totally ate shit but he he's a wrestler so he knows how he knows how to take a bump so he he did like land on his back he didn't his knee didn't hit anything so i think he just very smartly decided okay my knees fucked. That's what happened there. So, so. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, that definitely looks like it was botched, but I can't tell if it was botched on purpose or not because the way he reacted, I was like, oh, so his knee so, hurts. Like, <laughs> when it happened, I wasn't sure at first either. But then they, like, 90 seconds later, they redid the spot and he hit the hurricane run at that time. Mm. So I, I figure, I figured that, you know, yeah. Okay. He saved face very well, like you know, with that. But he was lucky. He was like an inch away from Penta landing off of the top ropes on his face. Like I thought, yeah. Like Penta just missed CM Punk there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's why it was like confusing enough that I'm like, did (laughs) was this choreographed or I don't know? Because they both. I mean. Punk definitely pulled the professional move of acting like his leg was hurt, but Penta also was like, "All right, we're you know we're not 
gonna stop and look at each other and be like, "Oh shit, what's next?" Like <laughs> they they did good. So, and the crowd was hyped as hell for this match. Like I, from the jump, they were they were just chanting and shouting. I was I was impressed. I'm like, okay, cool. Great, uh, yeah, great um, mixture of uh, Sarah Miedo and CM Punk chants. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it was a really hot crowd. Penta and Punk. It's funny because like they they did this big chopping exchange at the at the beginning, and it was like really hot and like got the crowd going. And who who knew that that would just be the junior varsity version of uh, of, of that spot, but um, on that same show. But um, but so that was really good. And I really so Punk like you know obviously the GTS is his finisher, and he went for it. Like it took him like the fourth until the fourth time to get it because Penta kept countering it in different ways. And I thought that was really fun. Like the first time, uh, the first time he just, how would he do the first time? I don't know what he did the first time, but the second time he like elbowed him in the head to get down the third time he caught punk's knee as it was coming up and, and, uh, fucked him up that way. Uh, that was like down the stretch, but no, they kept, they kept kind of finding clever ways to get in and out of the go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that. I mean, I don't think Penta's a pushover, so. No, and they don't, they don't treat him like he is. No, which good for him. I do miss Ray Phoenix, but Penta yeah. seems to be doing very well as a singles guy <laughs> at this he point. Does. I'm torn about Alex Abrahantes because I really like Alex Abrahantes, but I think he looks like such a dork um, in this, in, 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 as part of the Penta Oscuro gimmick. I really, I really greatly prefer Penta says Alex Abrahantes over this version. Yeah. Yeah, but I did like that he had a, a skull, like a chain with a skull at the end today. I, I didn't know. I thought at first it was like a weird evil incense burner but it turns out it was just a skull at the end of a chain i'm like all evil right. like evil like all caps evil from new japan yes okay yes that's that so many he, he's got a weird thing he carries it, right like, like it it spins and it's got like led <laughs> lights so when it spins it like it it had like a either a picture it said evil but yeah he it almost looked like a little hand fan but when he turned it on it was like led <laughs> <laughs> evil sucks <laughs> Look, just get some fun accessories and everything is fine. I'm afraid I'm going to have to watch a bunch of evil matches this fall because I'm afraid, like, I I just know there are going to be AEW guys in the G1 this year. Which, you know, that part's fun. Oh, because they can travel over this year? Yeah. Well, Moxley did it last year and you still don't watch. No, he did it two years ago. Two years ago. Three years ago and I did watch. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he's got to get back with little Shota. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like very fun opening match. Um, I was surprised at how into it I was because I'm like, why are these two fighting? But you know, whatever, good stuff. Um, from there, we had a quick little peek at what happened earlier today when the Jericho Appreciation Society arrived in. I don't think Jericho's private jet. I think maybe it's just a jet he rented. Um. Maybe yeah. he does like uh, the rental jet service. I'm blanking on the name. NetJets. Oh, is that like where you like um, 
It's like a timeshare jet. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're going to do a private jet, that's the way to do it because otherwise the depreciation on that jet, like you're never going to get your money's worth for a private jet. Never buy one on your own. Thank Just you for opening the door because I felt like a nerd saying financially speaking, I think renting a jet is like more responsible than actually just owning one because you don't have to pay to store it and gas it up it is way more (laughs) but you know it's impressive that jericho i mean i'm not gonna say renting a jet is any less impressive than owning one because i don't have the money to do either of those things so we get it jericho you're big stuff um but he arrives and he's got hager and garcia with him and i don't really know why Cool Hand, Angelo Parker, and, you know, Daddy Magic, Matt Menard are not with them, but we find out where they are. So Jericho's showing off the jet, and then all of a sudden you hear (laughs) heckling. Eddie Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz are heckling these boys on the tarmac from a car where they've driven up, and they're yelling about how, oh, we'll get you, and this is relevant because they do have a match on this show, but they toss... Daddy Magic and Cool Hand out of the car and apparently like they have stolen Cool Hand shoes and dislocated Daddy Magic's thumbs. And so um I guess the gauntlet has been thrown, you know? Like this is the precursor to the match coming up on this show, but uh Jericho thought he was cool with his jet and this is what happens. Yep. <laughs> so the next match we have of the evening is Red Dragon taking on Jurassic Express for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And these two teams are both very talented and very athletic, so of course this match was a lot of fun. Um, I believe that the thought among this group was that Red Dragon might take the titles, but Jurassic Express does retain with Jungle Boy pinning Bobby Fish after doing the Thoracic Express. Fun match, though. Really fun match. I... I, I really enjoyed this. I thought uh, we were going to see a title change here. Um, I did too. Like I, how it was going. Yeah, but uh, this was this was really good. Um, crowd, man, they fucking love the Luchasaurus, man. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, guys, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it either. Like I don't dislike Luchasaurus, but I definitely am like, I'd rather see Jungle Boy <laughs> in yeah, the match, so. like doing things. He, he, he busted out this running uh, Hurricane Rana early in the match, and he he did he did a kip up. He whipped his hair back, and he looked into the camera and smiled. Uh, and it was like it was, it was like this fucking kid gets it. He's like mm-hmm. he's, he's he's locked in. It's almost like his dad was a teenage heartthrob for <laughs> most of his life. Yeah. Now, son, how you really speak to the camera connect with the eyes oh my god yeah this was this was a terrific match i i uh i'd been a little cold on jurassic express lately but i think this was you know if they're gonna have, keep having bangers like this then I've, keep the titles on them i've never been cold on jungle boy i think i've just been like you miss marco too i yes i actually i think luchasaurus worked with marco's stunt because he, he would, would like, toss him yeah, and, like, he would do moves, like, using Marco's body. Like, I don't know. I, I visually liked that. Um, the act was better with the three of them. Yes. Like, when he yes. would stand on Luchasaurus's shoulders and, like, Luchasaurus would walk him around and then have him dive off. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. 
And I mean, you, Luchasaurus used him as like a bat a few times, like to just. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to swing your little friend, at yeah. your enemies. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I de- I definitely don't dislike Luchasaurus. I am a little confounded about why people are like. Whoa, Jungle Boy was just doing cool stuff. But now let's get in the guy who kind of moves slow and is just like big. I I, get, I guess that's his appeal. He's big. We have bigger guys in the company now. Like I get when he first started in the company, he was probably the biggest guy. But like now, there's guys bigger than him. He does he does cooler moves than those guys though. He does he does like spin kicks and. You know, and and he does a boonsault off the apron. He does like for a big guy, he does some more athletic yeah. scene, things than everybody else. They're does. just a little slower. They are a little slower, um, <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> and saying I, that's not a problem. But I can't, I can't even fully like blame him for that. I, I completely understand. Once burned, like definitely being a little more cautious with your movements. It's just. I think it slows down the pace of the match when he gets tagged in. And I'm not saying his kicks aren't cool, because they are. And he is athletic. It's just, it's like Jungle Boy's flying back and forth from the ropes. And then Luchasaurus tags in, and the pace slows. <laughs> and I, I just, yeah. I don't fully understand why the crowd is like, like, they're chanting to tag him in when the Jungle Boy is doing cool stuff. I don't know. It's more just like I'm confused by the disconnect that I'm having with, I guess, the greater opinion. I mean, the other thing is he is a dinosaur. True. He is a dinosaur. And people, I don't know if you know this, but people love dinosaurs. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. You're right. (laughs) Dinosaurs are great. They really really are. are. You're right. You make a strong point. Luchasaurus is a dinosaur. Oh, oh, well, regardless, regardless, um, Jurassic Express keeps the titles. Uh, this match was great. So I think, like you said, we're all cool with that, um, even though we all thought it was going to go the other way. But after the match, we do get a little tease of what's coming up down the pike for Red Dragon. Um, being the bad sport that he is, Kyle O'Reilly, he jumps in the ring because Bobby Fish is the one that got pinned. So Kyle jumps in the ring. He has pulled a chair from under the ring and he just hits jungle boy and luchasaurus each once and then he picks up one of their belts and holds it up as if he's going to do that i'm stealing this again and then he just sets it down and is like come on bobby we got stuff to do and so he like rolls him out of the ring and sort of helps him shuffle up the ramp and as they're coming up the ramp before they get to the top ftr's music hits which can i just say what a banger i freaking love their music <laughs> Um, it's good it, it suits their it suits their baby face turn yeah it's just such a great aesthetic but yeah their music hits they walk out they are holding up their roh world tag team championships they're wearing shirts that say uh six star ftr which magical so i they we don't get much more than that i think it cuts to commercial pretty quickly but like i'm assuming that means like come for the belts boys I do. I want to clarify something about Six Star FDR because I thought it was a weird Dave Meltzer reference. Oh, um, that's what I assumed. Yeah, that's what I did too. But it's not. It is. It's a reference to the six different major promotion tag team titles that they have held. Oh, that's cooler. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I believe it's 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 ROH, 
it's um, AEW, it's uh, AAA, it's NXT, it's Raw, and it's SmackDown. Nice. I like yeah. it. That's that's cool. Don't no they, offense to Meltzer, but that's kind of more prestigious. Yeah. Don't they feel like, like, don't they just feel like the hottest team in the world right now? Yeah, kind of. Like, I was like, FTR, which I, man, <laughs> I was fighting loving them, but they seemed cool. But, like, I didn't even see that Briscoe's match, but just, like, kind of hearing about it and then, like, knowing, you know, and then them winning the ROH tag titles. And then that match they have with the Bucks, you mm-hmm. know, God, they just, they just, they, I, they're, uh, this is, I think this is the strongest they've been in their whole uh, AEW run. Yeah. I feel like this is the energy they were supposed to have when they came in. And then for whatever reason, maybe the pandemic and the crowd situation, it yeah. kind of felt like they fizzled a little bit. And then mm-hmm. they got stuck doing other people's dirty work for the longest time. Um, yeah. So now, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm up for them getting some spotlight. And I think a match between them and Red Dragon would be pretty awesome, too. So. Oh, yeah. Because that... I can't... I don't think that match ever happened. Because... At least not televised. Because I think... I think they would have moved up to the main roster before... Undisputed Era got there. Oh, no crossover. Hmm. I'm gonna look that up actually while you go to the next segment just to, just to make sure. Okay, yeah, because I honestly it's all a blur for me NXT. <laughs> but next up after that match, we've got Tony Schiavone. He's backstage with the Blackpool Combat Club, which now officially includes Wheeler Yuta. Confirmed. Um, apparently Friday on Rampage we're gonna get a trios match between the Gun Club and the. Blackpool Combat Club. That sounds like the best match I've ever heard of. I think it's going to be really fun. Can um, you imagine what Brian Danielson is going to do to Austin Gunn? Just make him. There is only Austin Gunn. He's he's going to destroy that man. And I love it. And <laughs> William Regal is absolutely delighted by the, like just the prospect of this, which I thought was great. Um, Moxley says he doesn't know much about the gun club, but he thinks they're a bunch of goofs. And then he looks at Wheeler and he says... <laughs> It's time to get mean. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I it's I don't know. It's good stuff. I'm I'm really excited about the Blackpool Combat Club and how they're going to expand and who they're going to bring in next. But like while they've only got three, let's fight Billy Gunn and his sons. Let's just do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, this ruled. Um, OK, so they did have one TV match on NXT it would have been in the in the USA era before the pandemic, so like right mm-hmm. when Dynamite started. I I think it must have been like they must have just been like special guests in NXT for the week or something. Um, and they wrestled, and they, yeah, they wrestled uh, Fish and O'Reilly, did uh, Dawson and uh, Wilder, who won, and uh, Fish and O'Reilly won. Oh, okay, lingering bitterness then. Apparently, it went twenty five minutes. I have no memory of this match. <laughs> We, we would have watched it because we watched uh, we we still we watched all the NXT like before the pandemic. Yeah. So I don't I don't remember it though. I don't either, but I'm hyped for part two, or part one if they're just gonna choose not to bring it up. Right. Yeah. Cool. Very exciting, and you know it's uh, ROH Championship titles, so I feel like those could be pretty fluid. Yeah. At least on Dynamite. 
Yeah. We'll see, though. We'll see. Um, the next segment, we have... I believe there was a commercial because Tony Schiavone is back and he's interviewing different people now. He is talking to Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. And there's like a weird emphasis on how there will be no physicality between these two until they meet at the Owen Hart Championship Tournament. Like just really stressing that point. And we find out that while we don't know the brackets for the tournament yet, uh, Tony Khan has signed off on a first round match between Jamie and Tony Storm, not Tony Khan, um, because the fans have demanded it. So they will be fighting. We just don't know specifically. I mean, in the first round, but yeah, like the rest of the brackets don't exist yet. So Jamie Hader ta- starts talking some shit, um, but Tony Storm refuses to engage and she ends up just turning and walking away. Yeah, I actually really liked this. I think I think Hater is a good promo, and it it didn't. It was a it was a uh, it was a backstage promo segment between women, which did not degenerate into like them being scripted to say like you know the the typical like catty stuff to each other. Yes, and it didn't degenerate into fighting. Yeah. So I I think they'll have a hell of a match. Like I'm excited for this and Hater's cool. And I thought Tony Storm was cool since her NXT days. So mm-hmm. I'm into it. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll see. Um how many people did did they say how many people in total are going to be part of the tournament for men and women? Or cause like we're kind of just living on this um Qualifier to qualifier point. (laughs) So, okay. I I don't think they have officially said, but based on, based on the dates that Tony Khan said the tournament would take place at, like, and when it's going to finish, which is at double or nothing at the end of May, I think people, people kind of did the wrestle math, uh, like, (laughs) or the the tournament math. Is that like champagne math? Kind of. Yeah. So people, people did the the tournament math and figured out like, okay, to, to fit this in, in that window, this is the, the brackets are going to have to be eight people in each, in each tournament. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Unless they put some on YouTube. (laughs) I don't think they will do that for this. Owen Hart is too, uh, yeah, too important. Right. So yeah, well, we'll see when they, they will finally have a match in the first round. Um, but for now, we go to MJF's second chance match against Captain Sean Dean. As usual, Sean Dean doesn't get an entrance, but he does get to wear a cool beret and camouflage face paint because he is mm-hmm. a captain. Uh, as with their first match, this one is more about pushing MJF's story forward and less about showcasing Captain the captain on Dynamite Television. There's very little fighting because right away we get footage of backstage shown on the big screen. There are three security men down for the count, and one of them isn't wearing a shirt. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was peculiar, too. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes when you get deep into security, you get a little hot, you pop that shirt off. Um, I mean, as we would see soon, Wardlow, you know, maybe he's just into, like, having shirts off for himself, for other people, for everybody, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
Wardlow in shirts, it's like up in the air whether or not he's wearing one, whether or not he wants you to wear one. Yeah, it's, oh. it's crazy. So uh, <laughs> this gets shown like right at the start of the match after the bell has rung. So MJF gets a little rattled. And even though he's seen this, he still gets surprised when Wardlow shows up ringside disguised as a security person wearing presumably the shirt that was not on the shirtless man. And <laughs> um, he's like, oh, no. And then MJF runs away from Wardlow, who chases him up the ramp. But Wardlow himself kind of gets caught ringside because even though he dispatches security guys one on one well enough, apparently there were like 10 to 20 more waiting in the wings and they just descended upon him. So MJF runs up the ramp, Wardlow's stuck, and then Bryce Remsburg, the referee, is like, well, you're out of the ring, so time to count down. And he he gets to nine and MJF grabs a mic from the announce table and he's like, Bryce, Bryce, I could pay you so much money. Like, I, I just stop the countdown. Just stop it. And Bryce, like, looks at him and he's like, 10. <laughs> and, and the match ends. Captain Sean Dean is the winner. MJF loses his second time to Captain John Dean. Uh, yeah, and Wardlow is, you know, stuck ringside. But he's like, suck it, MJF. Got you. Um, and yeah, and then. Before I- he got totally overwhelmed by the security, he did uh, manage to powerbomb one of the security guards onto the apron. Like uh, Kevin Owens style, but with, looked like with much more force, really. Yeah, I mean. These poor security guys, they don't have the kind of training for this. And the just the the reaction of the crowd every time he decked one of those security guards, like building up to the power. Oh my god. They have got they have got something on their hands right now with this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he them. looked so impressive. They had so many out there, like mm-hmm. actually like holding him back at the end. Yeah. And it didn't look fa- like they just did we're going to hire every indie wrestler in town yep. and we're going to throw 40 out here. Mm-hmm. And like it, it really worked. Cause normally it's like a couple guys and it's like, yeah, it looks so fake. That looked <laughs> real. Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. Wardlow is getting a hell of a reaction and you know, good on him. Cause I like the war dog and mm-hmm. I hope that he can use this momentum. Um, but yeah, after the match, MJF is mad, obviously. He jumps in the ring. He gets in Bryce's face. Sean Spears has to step up and, like, get between them because he wants to save his boss from essentially getting fined for striking an official. Just bad. Um, There is a quick cut to the backstage once again, as this is happening, where Wardlow continues to fight off security before finally grabbing one of the cameras, like, grabbing it by the lens, getting up close, and just yelling into it that he will not stop until MJF releases him from his contract. This, this was like some, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but this <laughs> at, at a, at a, at a lesser level, obviously um, this was like some stone cold Steve Austin type shit. Oh, wow. Wow. Just that's like, Just like totally out of control, you know, uh, really like really visceral kind of, in your face. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, obviously he's not Steve Austin. Nobody's Steve Austin, but um, it's there. What a, what a job they're doing with him right now. And what a job he's doing right now. Guys, do you remember, like, think about like his arc. 
Remember when they first did that stupid video, uh, like introducing him out in like a. He was like at the top of a parking garage. Yeah, or a parking yeah. Or something. And I, we were just kind of like, oh. Wardlow. Eh? <laughs> Who's this big meathead? <laughs> like, yeah, he uh, he's come a long way, and I feel like if he heard that you you compared him to Steve Austin, he would he would feel very flattered, and that's nice. Yeah. So. Well, I really, I think he's awesome. Yeah, he's killing it. I, I really hope he can, like, ride the momentum and, and take this in a positive way. Because the crowd yeah. is here for it. So, so yeah. After uh, we leave behind War Dog, we get something I feel like we haven't gotten in a while. And it is a Darby homemade video. <laughs> I don't know what city he's in, if it's Boston or if it's it was filmed somewhere else. But he uh, he's skateboarding down an empty street. And at the end of the street is a burnt out coffin frame. So he skateboards right up to it. And then he has a very short, sweet message. And that is that he wants a coffin match against Andrade. So. Awesome. The one, the, the last one, the one against Ethan Page was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think this will be good too. That little goth boy. It's made for coffin matches. Yeah. I figured this is where he gets his win back. Don't you? I would hope because I feel like a coffin match is the equivalent of being on home turf for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to do it, but that's exciting. Yeah. And I'd love to see a little black and white Darby video action. <laughs> so uh, after that, we get another match. And this is the trios match between the Jericho Appreciation Society and Kingston Santana and Ortiz, who need a name because... I don't like having to list them out every single time I talk about them. But yeah, the Do they have the, a name? No. They don't have a no. team name. Um, but if this were Impact, they they would be LAX, but this is not Impact. Eddie was never part of LAX, though, right? Uh he was like part of like latter day LAX. Oh, okay. Well, I might just refer to them as that because it's easier. But um the Jazz is still angry about what happened earlier at the airport, um, which probably isn't helped by the fact that Ortiz walks out with uh, cool hands, stolen shoes draped around his neck like a weird trophy. Um, I want to I, I want to correct myself. According to Wikipedia, he was never he was never part of LAX. Oh, I, so thought, I, he, I thought he was. So Santana Ortiz were, but I thought with him being like their good friend, that maybe it was possible he was in it. So. Thank you for clarifying, because yeah. I would have I would have believed that he was. Since they go back. But yeah. Um, these six men, they put on a good show. And Santana Ortiz got a lot of ring time, which I really appreciated, because I think they deserve it. Um, unfortunately, Jericho is going to Jericho. And so ultimately, <laughs> he helps Daniel Garcia pin Kingston by hitting Kingston with his bat. When Aubrey's back was turned. So they cheated and Garcia got to to get the roll up on Kingston, which is quite a burn since those two kind of have their own little personal issues going on. Okay, now I'm reading Eddie Kingston's Wikipedia entry and it says (laughs) on the May 24th, 2018 episode of Impact, Kingston, now renamed King, returned as a member of the Latin American Exchange. So 
Okay, after the group leader Conan was attacked and Homicide and Diamante went missing in action, King assumed leadership of the faction and guided Ortiz and Santana back to being tag team champions. So he was in LAX. Okay. And suspiciously about the same storyline, you know, kind of guiding them. I say do that again. Get Diamante in here because, frankly, I've been thinking about it and I, I think these factions should have some ladies in them. And I know we've talked about how Layla really? could join Team Taz. She's she's stout like Taz. She's strong. She weight lifts and all that. Um, you know, Chris Statton is part of the best pa- friends. Yeah, Paige is in the um the ATT stable. Yeah. Yeah, they all need like the elite. The, the elite need a woman. Yeah, I, it kind of opens the opportunities for more like uh permut- permutations of how they fight each other too, because mm-hmm. you can do mixed tags and. I say get some lady representation in all of these. Bring them in. No, I'm with you. I guess I get I guess they did that they did do that um that Brit and Cole tag match that one week. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I kind of just assumed Brit would be like a staple in the elite, although now I feel like Adam Cole and, and the Bucks, you know, their relationship is tenuous at times. Yeah, I think the, the Bucks just kinda have to like stay away until he's done feuding with Adam Cole or Adam page, because they made it clear that like, okay, we're not we're just, we're just, uh, we're, we're, we gotta be Swiss on this one. Yeah. We said no hangman interaction and yeah. that's all you're doing. So yeah, <laughs> calm down. So yeah, that would be cool. Get LA LAX back together. Now that the inner circle is not a thing and, uh, get Diamante up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So after that, we go backstage where Alex Marvez is talking to MJF, who is very upset that the crowd is essentially laughing at him for what happened tonight. Um, he he says it's like they've forgotten that he's a pillar of this company. And Sean Spears and Mark Sterling are here. Mark Sterling has Wardlow's contract on hand, and he reads a relevant section. And that is that MJF can schedule Wardlow to work or not work as he sees fit. And so MJF has decided that his next best move is to book Wardlow in a match against the Butcher. Because I guess he thinks the Butcher can take him. Do you think that the Butcher can take Wardlow? Back? No. no. <laughs> I mean, uh, sure, the Butcher's a big guy. But, like, I think Wardlow's out, to, out for blood here. Like, uh, I don't think the Butcher's going to stop him. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Oh, next up, guys. It's Marina Shafir making her Dynamite debut against Sky Blue. I did not think this was a great first showing for Marina. (laughs) Um, I don't know about you two, but the match was almost nothing because it was secondary to the focus on Jade and Mark Sterling, who were watching backstage on a monitor. And also... Equal focus was put on Jade's baddie section of the audience, which now includes, as we said, Red Velvet and Kira Hogan, who I guess we've seen periodically on Dynamite, but I feel like is more of a dark elevation staple. Um, But two new baddies, and uh, Marina, (laughs) she quickly taps out Sky Blue with a triangle hold, but ultimately, like, yeah, like, ultimately, she does not look like someone who can beat Jade for the title, nor should she, like, because what she can do with it. This this should have been like three high impact moves and then that finisher. Like she shouldn't have given Sky Blue anything. 
that like like people don't know who Marina Shafir is yet. You can't you can't just throw her out there cold and put her in a, a position to have like a comp- like not a competitive match, but like but a match where she doesn't immediately put away Sky Blue. Like she should have just gone in there and been vicious and beat her quick. And like, cause I thought actually, honestly, I thought the finisher looked cool, but well, yeah, by, I mean, by that point, who could care? Yeah, it was, um, it was the worst squash match in the history of AEW. <laughs> that's rough. That's a rough. <laughs> yeah. You're right. And like, I feel like it also didn't give me an accurate depiction of Marina Shafir's skill because all I can remember is like, I didn't like that match. And I don't, I don't really know if she was good at what she did because they were, they kept cutting to the baddies and to Jade and Mark. And it's like, I don't really know what Marina's doing or why she can't destroy sky blue, a rookie. Like, so I don't believe she'll win the title. And if she does, I think that they're either not presenting her correctly or making kind of a mistake in who they've chosen. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. But let's do a 180 because <laughs> the next segment we have is Lexi Nair attempting to talk to Hook in, I guess, the weight room at the arena. I I don't really know where they were, but there were weights. And uh, she really wants Hook to talk to her. I don't think she understands what Hook's about, which is not talking. But she does manage to ask him a question and almost get an answer out of him. Uh, but right before he speaks, he gets interrupted by Tony Nese and Tony Nese's lawyer, Mark Sterling. Again, this man is everywhere. Um, Tony Nese is pissed that Hook is getting so much attention. He feels like he's entitled. He feels like he was handed his his success. And, I mean, we don't really know how Hook feels because he won't talk. But he does stand up and get in Tony Nese's face. And I just had a moment of realization seeing this. Um either how tall Hook is or how short Tony Nese is, because I think Hook was taller than him <laughs> when they stood face to face. I believe so. It was it was alarming. Um, but yeah, Hook has Hook's, a... Hook's hair adds a lot of height. Mm, that's true. That's <laughs> true. He, it does, but he had like he had the hoodie on. I mean, doesn't, oh, that, true. Yeah, doesn't yeah. that sink his hair down a little? Yeah. I don't know. Either way, Hook, uh, Hook is holding a large medicine ball in his hand. And I guess that's threatening enough to scare Tony and Mark Sterling away. So they they bounce. Um, and when the camera pulls back a little bit, we see that Dan Housen has been standing there all along in full workout gear. Just he's not the type of man you expect to see in workout gear. Uh, that's all I'll say. Dan Housen. He's very tatted up. He is. But also like Dan Housen's that that guy that goes to the gym with his makeup on and you're like mm-hmm. why <sighs> but yeah so he's he's back there and he tries once again to interact with hook hooks like not having it but hook doesn't even turn around instead he just he just chucks the medicine ball over his shoulder and dan Housen catches it and then collapses under its weight in momentum <laughs> and like he still wants to get that little boy but he's he's having trouble <laughs> So, uh, so you want to hear my thoughts on the cold-hearted, handsome devil? <laughs> Jay's great. <laughs> Jay rules. Um, 
I so this this whole segment was awesome. Uh, like it's the first Tony Nese match I've wanted to see in AEW. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to Mark Sterling. I like that Lexi Nair's character in this company right now is that she really wants to get Hook to talk to her. That might be a shoot. I don't know. I don't um, think she gets that. He just like like I think she. She approaches it in a way that's like, I am the interviewer. You are the interviewee, right? Like, we're entering into this relationship with that understanding. And, like, I don't think she understands that Hook doesn't talk. He's not a talker. Yeah. And I especially like the the Dan Housen element every week. I really, I just think that's, it's such a cute little button on this that he's, like, he, he's really frustrated that he can't curse Hook and he can't figure out why. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think it's cute. And and I think, like, it's kind of a fun way to incorporate Danhausen in a way that, like, like I don't want to see Hook beat up Danhausen, but I like that he has a role where he can interact with Hook in a way that's clearly not antagonizing enough for Hook to fight him. Yeah. Um... And it's cool, you know, like, Hook making his Dynamite debut. That's cool. Yes, the crowd reacted to that. We're going to get those ladies. Oh, a show we're not going to be at. (laughs) We're going to, that lady viewership, though, it's going to be out. I think you're right. Get Hook on Dynamite. So, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have to really watch the ratings on that one. (sighs) After that... We get a really, really quick promo um, from Sammy. And actually, it's from Scorpio Sky talking about Sammy. Sammy apparently is going to get a TNT Championship title match at Battle of the Belts on Saturday. So from what I can tell thus far, that show is main evented by uh, Thunder Rosa defending her title against Nyla Rose. And then Sammy going up against uh, Scorpio Sky. I, I feel like. They stuck. They stick to two matches. Is that? Don't, don't forget, the Ring of Honor World Title is on the line <gasps> as Jonathan Gresham defends his title against. I forget, but I like them. <laughs> uh. Against Dalton Castle with his yes! boys. Oh, I was going to ask you: Is he still doing the gimmick where he has boys? Oh yeah, yeah. They were in the graphic. Yeah, I was so shocked by the graphic. I didn't have time to take it all in. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought he was Yacht Rock. Only in Chikara. Mm. Hey, Bryce, what are we doing? <laughs> is this a wrestling match? <laughs> Love it. Don't cast rules. <laughs> oh, that's very exciting. Yes. <sighs> so Battle of the Belts. I, uh, just a uh, quick temperature gauge on that. Are you, you... You didn't watch the last one, did you? No, because... Um... I forgot to set up a DVR recording for it because oh, it didn't occur to separate. me that it would be separate, which of course it was. Um, but I have I have set it up uh, this time. Okay, looking. Are you looking forward to it? Sorta. Um, I'm looking forward to Dalton Castle. Uh, Hell yeah! Honestly, like, and you know, I think Sammy and Scorp will be a good match again. Do you think? Or how about this? Which belts do you think will change hands, if any? I think the I think the only one that is in danger of changing hands on that show would be the TNT title, and I and I I don't really see a reason to do it right now. 
So, okay. but it's it's the the nature of that belt is that it can it, it can really change hands at any time. So, yeah, it's like free flowing. I could see them changing it, and then the next week Scorpio being like, "Hold on, I want to I want to rematch," and then getting it back. Yeah, I like, or like that. maybe like maybe like Ethan could get you know like you know. I do wonder when Ethan's going to reach a point where he's like jealous of of that. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah. Moving on. After that, we have Team Taz going up against Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee because they just hate those guys. Um, this was my favorite favorite match of the night. It was so much fun. The crowd was so hyped up for their hometown boy Ricky Starks. So that like resulted in a ton of energy, and it's it's not a thing you see often so late into the show. I have to say, when it's not a main event match. So I was mm-hmm. I was just like, oh damn, what's happening? The vibe. Um, but yeah. And then near the end, Taz walked out to ringside, and the crowd immediately burst into EC Dub chants. So they <laughs> yeah. were super happy he was there, and uh, you know Taz seemed like he was there to maybe just observe, but. Ultimately, this match ended when he grabbed Keith Lee's leg and caused him to stumble and powerhouse Hobbs to be able to pin him. So Taz cheating. Taz cheating. And I I believe yesterday was the 25th anniversary of the first ECW pay-per-view, which Taz wrestled on. Oh, my God. Yeah. Time. It's cruel. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was uh, I was a little surprised that. Um, Hobbs is the one who got pinned. Um, but again, this is the company that, you know, they take care of you in your hometown and, uh, for, you know, for the most part. So, uh, Stark's team got the win. Hobbs looked great. He, he, uh, hit him with a spine buster off the, off the trip. And, uh, I could definitely see them running this back in a kind of like a, maybe like a street fight environment. Yeah. I feel like everyone in this match just was getting a reaction. Like, the, the crowd obviously loved Ricky, but they also knew that they were supposed to cheer for Swerve and Keith Lee is the faces. <laughs> like they were yeah, they knew who, they knew who house was, whose house it was. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it it was it was hype. Um, I super loved when Ricky Starks <laughs> did like basically a model walk on the ropes, where he just like he did the rope walk, but it was very like flashy, and I yeah. liked it. He's got. He's got some of the best facial expressions in the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's great. Um, there was is, a... it was just something to say on a show that Minoru Suzuki is on. So. Oh, yeah, we're almost to him. Yeah. Also, there was a sign that says Starks puts tomato in his gumbo. And I didn't know if that was a compliment or an insult. The way it's worded sounds like an insult, but I also don't I don't have the background to, <laughs> to know I, if that's yeah. bad. Yeah. So New Orleans specific insults possibly sorry uh after that match we go backstage where tony Schiavone's talking to thunder rosa and he announces that she will be defending her title in the main event of saturday night's battle of the belt hype for many main event being like the ladies the ladies belt um but yeah. vicky and nyla immediately interrupt they are here to celebrate thunder rosa having the shortest title reign in the history of aew nyla has a cake so you know someone's going to end up with it on their face. And Nyla says, we brought you a cake. It was supposed to have writing on it, but it cost extra. And quite frankly, you ain't worth that much. It's <laughs> like killing it. As if she could kill it more. But she does. Because as I said, like 
fighting breaks out. Nyla's the one who gets the cake pushed up into her face. And she just goes, the joke's on you. I love cake. And then she pauses <laughs> and takes a beat and goes, and violence. <laughs> the best. That's awesome. She's the best. She's um, really funny. Yeah. I was killing it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. What are we, what are we about? Are we about nine months away from uh, her next contractually uh, obligated surprise bitch? <laughs> I hope it's not that long, but <laughs> as long as it's contractually obligated, I need to have it. Just great, great, love it. Oh, it'll be fun, fun match on Saturday. So yeah, after that, we're almost to the main event, but we get a really brief segment where uh we hear from adam cole about how he isn't scared of the texas death match he has against adam page did we talk about the jericho match yeah okay i didn't skip it i must have spaced out we talked about lax very extensively i guess that's true i don't i don't know where my head was at i guess i was looking up the lax wikipedia info i I, there's something i want to say about that that because um what Okay. Um, Eddie Kingston came out wearing a shirt that said Thump, mm-hmm. which is a reference to uh, newer, like Louisiana wrestling legend, the Junkyard Dog, because mm-hmm. that was the name of his finishing move. But the lettering and the color <laughs> really made it look like he was wearing uh, a shirt that said Trump. And, like, thankfully, I, I know the Thump reference because so I was, like, able to, like, piece it together pretty quickly but for like about half a second i was really confused the announce team covered it and i i wonder if that's the case because like of all the letters and like the font and coloring that's the that's the shirt you got like yeah yeah. (laughs) i was like is this a trump reference but like knowing eddie kingston i'm like is this some like weird inside joke against trump i don't know i feel like he could have picked a different font and a different color and still got the same effect (laughs) Maybe. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to derail us. I just no. That that is definitely something because I didn't know the reference until the announced team talked about it, and I was like, "What is this shirt? Please don't be a secret trumper, (laughs) Eddie Kingston." Um, but yeah, Texas Death Match on Friday. It's coming up. Hangman's ready. Live. Yeah, live. Cole is scared. I think he says he's not, but he is. Um, and after that. Finally, for the main event of the night, we have Samoa Joe challenging Minoru Suzuki for the ROH World Television Championship. This match is brutal, and can I just say, without a drop of blood being spilt, it is one of the most brutal matches I think I've seen this year. These two men spend so much time exchanging chest chops, like just right off the bat. They hamburger Mm -hmm. it up. It's disturbing. And then... They follow that up with intervals of painful-looking body stretches, and that's kind of the tone of the match. They go back and forth between these energies. <laughs> they 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 do the slapping, and then they do the stretching. Um, and like in the end, Samoa Joe is able to get the pin, and he gets to be the new ROH World Television Champion. But what a freaking battle of I can't say giants. Nora Suzuki's a short man. He he feels like he is the energy of a giant. Short king he is. That Minoru yeah. Suzuki. Uh yeah, no, this this ruled every time they've used Suzuki, it's like I feel like he doesn't even have a good record in AEW. He loses most <laughs> of the time, but he has such an aura about him. Um that 
it's you can always stick him into a main event it seems like yeah oh and the crowd like they just love him they did his yeah. um they did the sing-along part of his song which i remember yes his original complaint was that they cut it off early <laughs> yeah and that was the whole thing but yeah they were into it <laughs> yeah yeah no match was really good um i kind of wish that they had done nothing but chops back and forth and then just and then and just one of them pinned the other that would have been funny uh but uh they didn't do that uh i think i believe joe actually went with a muscle buster if i remember correctly yes yes yeah. he was able to i mean he got Minoru Suzuki is a a lean short man, so he caught him up pretty easy. But yeah, the um, just the hamburger chest really really hate that. Like especially the fact that Joe is the bigger man, and I feel like his chest was more messed up than like. Well, he's still he's he came into it still red. If like it seems like he's still like red from last week. Tanning. You guys talked yeah. about how tan he was. Well, he looked, red. he looked like a lobster. Yeah, last yeah. last week he looked. He was better this week, but it looked like a sunburn last week. Yeah. Oh, which like, can you imagine having somebody just slap your sunburn repeatedly? No, that would have to be the worst. One of the worst feelings. Horrifying. So yeah, Joe gets the win though. Which part of me was like, oh, Minoru, you just won that belt like literally. He's like, I gotta go back to Japan. Whatever. <laughs> Take your belt. I'm out. <laughs> So Joe's got it. Uh, yeah, Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt were in the front row for this match. And when it's over, they pop on over the barrier and, and get ringside. And, and they give Joe the welcome celebration that they promised him. Jay Lethal has a wrapped present. And it turns out that there's just a hole in the bottom of it. But there's not a dick in the box. There's a, there's a middle finger in the box. I thought... <laughs> I thought it was legitimately very funny. <laughs> I, I, I did too. I hate to admit it, but I was just like, that's such just, a low grade burn. Like, there's, there's nothing funnier to me than like two shitty heels who are so amused at their own bad joke. Yeah, they were like very proud of themselves. I yeah. was like, okay. And then the lights go out. And this is where the true gift comes in. So the lights go out and I'm like, it can't be Malachi Black. Which, up to this point, I mean, I feel like he's the only one that commands the lights. But when they Did we come, talk about the House of Black promo? Was there one on the show? I didn't think there was. Yeah. yeah. Did I totally miss it? You might have totally missed it. In my defense, I was having trouble with the fight TV player, so I had to, like, use my finger to drag the progress along. Mm. And they don't show you little previews. So I kind of, I may have missed it. It was coming it was back like from 30, commercial. It was like thirty seconds. You didn't you didn't miss much. It was it was his usual like nonsense. Okay, I love which that I know you like, but <laughs> Damn, I love it. I embrace it. Okay, well, regardless, he he was not here in person on this here television show. The lights go out, and instead of Malcolm, would have gotten a better reaction if he was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How dare you? Um. So the lights come on, and uh, a very tall Indian man is in the ring. He's dressed very nicely, i got to say. Like, for someone mm -hmm. who's about to kick some ass, he wore a suit. Um, he is former Indian basketball player Satnam Sain? They didn't sing. They didn't put the, like, they didn't give him a nameplate. So, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, he um he's huge. He's a very tall 
Is he tall, the tall man? Seven three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he um he did the they thing where he steps over the they, top rope. <laughs> yeah, they signed him in September, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I remember you telling us they signed a seven foot three person. Yeah. I was excited. Yeah. And you How know do you what? feel? Seeing I'm him. still excited. I'm still excited. Oh yeah. I'm 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 very I'm very lonely in that opinion. But <laughs> did, uh did Twitter say boo? Twitter said boo. But that's just the bots, Andy. I don't, don't listen to the bots. I don't. I I feel like debuting a guy that nobody knows uh, in a lights out situation is a recipe for people to be upset because when you do the lights out thing, they expect like a good surprise, and or at the least, Alistair Black. Uh, and and that's not what they got, and so I think they just kind of set him up for failure in the first place, which is unfortunate because I think it's cool when giants wrestle. <laughs> I mean, he looks he looks cool, like he's super tall. Um, he looks like he had mobility in a way that, like, yeah, you know, sometimes tall guys do not have. Uh, and yeah, I think his biggest weakness was like I didn't know who the hell he was. And it did seem like a big buildup with the lights going out. And also, you just had a Minoru Suzuki Samoa Joe match. And after, like, kind of an epic battle, then you have some no-name person come in and, and lead a charge to beat up the new champ. I don't know. It felt kind of like now's not the time, guys. Like, Yeah, it, it, did, it was just like you couldn't let... You could like that would have been a great thing to go out on, like Joe and Suzuki, like shaking hands or something, or even not. If just Joe celebrating in the ring with his title would have been a good a good way to end that show. Yeah, it's like you took all the good feelings from that match and then you threw in an angle that probably could have just waited. Yeah, but. so I do have a little bit of news on on this and like why it happened and why it happened the way it happened. Um, this is like uh, Dave Meltzer did some reporting, and I think uh, someone else someone else wrote it up on uh, the website. But the ending of Dynamite, which featured the debut of Satnam Singh, was designed to build the AEW brand in India, and has a lot to do with the Warner Media Discovery merger. AEW has been on television on the Discovery-owned channel Eurosport India, a deal Tony Khan made based on the impending merger. As part of the first week after the Discovery merger, Tony Khan wanted to shoot an angle that would be a breakthrough in that market using someone of some renown in that country as the only Indian-born player ever drafted by the NBA. Um, so yeah, so basically it was it's it's a lot of it's about foreign television deals and their new you know their new corporate you know overlords basically with Discovery taking over uh, Warner Media. Okay. So, yeah. So that is why that happened. And it looks like he will be um, he will be with uh, Sanjay Dutt to do probably probably as somebody who can do the like promos for him. Oh know, yeah. In, in both in both Hindi and and English, you know. I mean, it's unfair to big guys, but uh, regardless of like <laughs> their their native tongue, I just always assume the large men don't really have much to say. I don't know. Like, Whoa. they feel like bimbos. I'm sorry. Brian Cage. <laughs> Brian Cage. Does he ever say anything worthwhile? 
I think that's because of the roids. <laughs> you think the roids busted his brain? I mean, I think Wardlow seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's quiet, but that's what I'm saying. Is the facial expression he's soulful? Yeah, the, the facial, exp- the kind eyes. <laughs> they don't have to talk much because they're big guys and they beat things up. That's all I'm saying. They, they, you don't have to count on them for a promo because they're scary, intimidating. So it's good to have somebody who, who can. So I thought this was a very good episode of Dynamite. Um, Feels packed. From, what? Feels packed. It was like, very packed. It was. I think it was like they had like was it six matches or seven matches? It was a ton of matches. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven matches. That's that feels like probably the most they've ever had on an episode of Dynamite. And you got you got a couple tag teams, a trios. Like mm-hmm. you got kind of a range of types. Yeah. Matches. And I thought I thought everything on the show was good except for uh, the Shafir uh, thing. Yeah. 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 And but, I am in the minority of of liking the Satnam Singh <laughs> debut. Uh, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. But uh, you know. <laughs> I don't have a problem with him. I think it was maybe not the best timing. No, I agree with you. And it, it was like the only other time they've done a lights out that got so little reaction was you remember when the Dark Order debuted. And yep. it was like Uno and Grayson, and it was just like nobody knows who these people are. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to the Dark Order segment on this week's BT. <laughs> they, uh, John Silver made Adam Page just crack up the whole time. Like, John Silver broke Adam Page, and I loved it. Oh, yeah. The, um, so the Dark Order was writing, was writing, was it eulogies? Yes, because they assume that at the end of the Texas death match, one man will be dead because it's a death match. So they were, so they were writing eulogies for both Adam Cole and, and you know, unfortunately, they, they, you know, just to cover the, all the bases, they wrote them for Paige, too. Yeah. Anna J, she always breaks. So she, she was gone early on, but John Silver got Adam Page to kind of legitimately lose it, and I thought it was charming. I'll have to paraphrase because I don't remember exactly, but I believe uh, part of his eulogy for Adam Cole was he's like the best bed partner he's ever had, whether it's going pecker to pecker or hole to hole. And that was where Adam Page was like, <laughs> like he, he like had a, like a guttural reaction. He just yeah. had to put his head down. It's like I'm I'm crying. I'm not. La- it looks like I'm laughing, but I'm crying. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. Uh, oh, ratings. We got Dynamite ratings. Um, they did 977,000 viewers and a .37. Um, slightly down from last week, they were third on the night on cable, as they were last week. But, uh, you know, we are in we are in NBA playoff times now. Ugh. And, like, for instance, next week's Dynamite is there are going to be three NBA playoff games happening during the time that Dynamite is on the air. So oh, that sounds <laughs> I rough. Think it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think they're probably going to be in that point three seven range for a while. Um, but the good news is it should bounce back in the summer. So. Man, NBA times are tough. NBA times are tough. Yeah, especially now that they're not on. Um, 
Well, at least they're not on TNT anymore and getting bounced around the schedule thanks to uh, NBA playoff games. Yeah, I th- I feel like there is something to be said about having like a, a consistent time as far as like people tuning in. Uh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, OK, so I guess one more news thing is Tony Khan is going to make a big announcement uh, on Dynamite next week. Stop me if you heard this one. Um, <laughs> any insight into what it might be? Well, I was going to ask you first. So like, do you, do you have, do you have like a, what's, 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 what do you think? What do you, what's, a, what's, a, what comes to mind? What could this, what could this be this time? Oh, I'm so bad at wrestle math. Um, but last time it was buying ring of honor. Yeah. I feel like you can't really, there's nothing else out there for him to acquire at that level. Right. I don't think. Unless it's a New Japan partnership announcement, which I feel like that would be too soon. Do you have a guess, Jenny? You go with streaming again. Okay, so this is going to be the streaming one? Okay. I would love no, it. I would love it. That, but that's just what I would like. <laughs> is it okay. a person? No. Uh, they, they didn't say a signing or a, a talent. They said specifically just said an announcement. Um so there have been a lot of rumors these last few days about uh, TK's major announcement being New Japan related. <gasps> and New Japan has a big show this weekend, um, Windy City Riot in Chicago, where I believe I believe the main event of that show is uh, John Moxley versus Will Ospreay, actually. Oh, shit. Um, which is a big match. Um, and... Unlike most shows, the president of New Japan, uh, Takami Obari, is traveling to the U.S. for this show, which, you know, if he's making the trip to the U.S., there's got to be a reason beyond just going to see his... Yeah, like maybe take some meetings and... Got some business to do? Yeah, yeah. So I based because of all that, I am expecting it to be some kind of New Japan-related announcement. That's exciting. I hope that's what it is. I I do wish that the announcement. I wish Jenny and I could combine our guesses and they could announce both a streaming service that AEW is putting out and as part of it, they've partnered with New Japan to give us the streaming of those shows as well. That would be pretty good. That would be an excellent if, announcement. Yeah, if we could get some kind of like all-in-one service, yeah, that would be that would be pretty amazing. Fingers crossed. All right. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll see you next week. Um, we um, will be. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, did you have anything interesting to talk about outside of the wrestling world? Uh, the elite beat plug of the week. Well, yeah, I'm I'm getting to it, guys. Okay. Ah, nice. oh, you were saying goodbye. We don't know. We gotta. All right, we thought you were wrapping it up. I was not saying goodbye. You've forgotten the plug of the week before. Oh nope. yes, they've um, always been included. <laughs> so. Uh, what I was going to say before we get to the elite big plug of the week is that next week we will be time shifted. Unfortunately, um, there are uh, Thursday things going on. Um, uh, yeah, Thursday happenings. Thursday family happenings. So uh, we will we'll be back. Uh, we just need to figure out when when we're going to do that show. But anyway, um, yes, it is time for the elite beat plug of the week, and I think. Jenny, because you seem like you're about to fall asleep, 
I think, I think you should get her out of here. <laughs> I think you should do your plug first. And I know you're excited to talk about it. I am. Okay. So my plug last week was a K my first K drama business proposal. And since I watched a K drama on Netflix, Netflix has decided that that's all I would like to watch. And you know what, Netflix? You're correct. So I started my second K drama called Hometown Cha Cha Cha. Cha 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 apparently in Korea means seaside. Um, oh, fun. Town. Yeah. Yeah. So it is about a seaside town. And um, very reminiscent of Heart of Dixie, I will say. It's like a big city dentist moves to the seaside town and sets up a dental practice. And uh, um, romance ensues. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the first episode. The, the main character, the dentist, was unlikable let's say a little unlikable very okay. rigid very like couldn't get her shampoo at the grocery store mm -hmm. kind of uppity oh and uh but then it just really picked up and i really got into it really like the mid part of it i think i liked more than business proposal but i think it had a higher it had higher highs but it had lower lows so I'm not exactly sure how I would. The lower lows, mostly the all the Samsung product placement. Oh my god, right? that's great. So um I loved the Samsung product placement. <laughs> Those were I the highest of highs. Those were part of the highs. <laughs> um the, uh in one of the scenes, the main character she drops her phone and picks it up and it was not broken. And she's like, Oh, these are made really well. And then <laughs> The love interest is like, well, we're an IT powerhouse. <laughs> Just loved it. Loved it. And there you was know, another... the natural conversation. Yes. And then there have. was another, we're an IT powerhouse later on. Oh, they, uh, they kept the same later. line? Uh, something about, like, there wasn't a street lamp wasn't lit. And it had been broken for a while. And he's like, we're an IT powerhouse. Can't we have a street lamp? And I was like, what? However, the low of the lows was in the last episode when Domino's apparently just paid for four minutes. That was high as hell. <laughs> there are layers to my assessment of that, but yeah, high as hell. Unfortunately, <laughs> and the sponsorship in the middle of the finale, which was watched by 13% of the Korean population, mm -hmm. by the way. That was the finale? Ooh, that's rough. Yeah. And the 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 main guy who like cooks all the time, like big like every time people are over at his house, he's cooking for them, like making delicious looking food. A guy comes over and he's like, "Let's just order pizza." And it's like, "That's odd." And then he opens up his phone, which contains one app, the Domino's app. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Four minutes. <laughs> Open up the app so you can see exactly how you would order a pizza on the Domino's app. They discuss the pie crust <laughs> toppings. Oh my god. 
Then the pizza finally arrives, and then they eat the pizza, discussing the pizza and how delicious the pizza is and how it's hot, where they live in the middle of nowhere, where they have already established that there's no delivery in this town. Except for Domino's. (laughs) That was never brought up before. So I think that was the lowest of the low. But um, really loved it overall, other than the, like, four-minute Domino ad in the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved all the clips of these ads, like, the, <laughs> just, like, throughout that you sent me with no context. I don't know what's going on in the show, but I do know all the advertisements. Yes. yes. And it was really exciting because last week when I talked about my first K-drama, um, I got an email from friend of the pod, Amanda, who also loves the K-dramas, and she's gotten into them over the last year and a half, which is so exciting. And she sent me such a wonderful list of ranking the K-dramas that she's enjoyed and giving a little blurb about each of them. And then also, for my benefit, which I think might even be more beneficial, a list of ones that she did not enjoy as well. (laughs) A A small list of those and so I will avoid those but I started my third K-drama with the first on her list which I will talk about next week oh I love it it's K-drama time for Jenny so that's uh, Hometown Cha 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 and you can find that on Netflix mm-hmm. okay Megan what, uh, what fucked up true crime thing did you watch this past <laughs> week I'm trying to influence our audience I I did watch true crime. I'm not going to I'm not going to say it. That's not my thing. Okay. Um <laughs> tangentially <laughs> I have a podcast to recommend. Uh and this is a podcast that I literally just started today, but that I downloaded like I subscribed to a while ago because it sounded interesting. And I'm looking it up the title to make sure I get this right. It's called Too Scary Didn't Watch. And the <laughs> premise of the podcast Ooh. is that there are uh three friends, three three women, and two of them are too scared to watch scary movies, which I totally identify with. And then one of them is also claims to be scared, but has taken on the task of watching um, a movie each week. And so she, and at times a guest, describes essentially the, like, if you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this, but she, like, literally walks through the movie um, in some detail. And so you get, like, I appreciate that I get the plot. I hear the good parts. I hear what parts are upsetting, and um, it has both inspired me to want to watch and also want to avoid some movies. I've only listened to three episodes, um, but and one of them was Midsummer, one of them was The Witch, and one of them was Evil Dead. Andy, oh. yeah, and so um, based on their assessments, because I I realize I have not seen The Evil Dead. I saw um, Army of the Dead. Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness, yes. I saw that one. So uh, I've not seen any of those movies. And and honestly, like, it's rough because I kind of want to see them. But based on, like, because they sound interesting, but also th- mm-hmm. what they described warns me that, like, there are some gore factors that I'm going to want to avoid. <laughs> um, so I appreciate the podcast because I feel like they both um, – kind of are on my same wavelength as far as horror movies uh i am interested but scared of them and i like being able to kind of get an idea of movies that i know i'll never watch but i i want to know more about pop culturally speaking um and i'm also looking forward to they have some 
episodes on movies I have watched, such as 28 Days Later. Saw that one. I, I'm actually looking at the episode list now. It looks like the very next episode for you is uh, the 2017 It, which you have seen. It is, but I was going to avoid yeah. it because they also did It Chapter 2, and I kind of... You want to watch that one. Yeah, and then when we yeah. watch that, I will listen to both of them together. But yeah, like, I've seen some of these movies, and so I'm kind of interested in seeing, like, like I like the, their take on the movies I haven't seen yet, and I'm kind of interested mm-hmm. on the ones they have. Um, but I think that's just kind of like a cool way to to get up to date on horror movies without necessarily having to watch. And honestly, if I hear one I... I I'm very interested in even having it spoiled. I think I'd still watch it. So it's, I I found a horror movie podcast I can listen to without having to watch the movies. This is, this is like such a great premise for a podcast. Um, I, I am, I, I just subscribed. I'm going to go download some back episodes and check it out. Um, if, if, if the hosts have like good chemistry and a good rapport, then like, like the premise is, it's a good idea. So I, I think it could very easily be really good. So yeah, Maggie, can I ask, what are the two other women who didn't watch? So only one watches. Only one watches. They, but they don't switch off? They don't, because I, I think one of them is, only one of them is brave. <laughs> so they don't switch off. One of them always takes the hit and watches the movie. And um, I've listened to three episodes and so two of them had guests and the guests will also watch a movie so it's sometimes it was the first episode it was just the one of the three of them that watch and then the second episode and third it was the same person and then a guest who watched and so the two that didn't watch they listen and they kind of comment and then at the end it's kind of like what do you like what do you think and like sometimes they'll they'll say like oh yeah I think I could handle that and other times it's like no (laughs) Never, never want to see that, but glad to hear the plot because, like, I feel like Midsommar is a movie where I was like, that could be really scary, but also, like, it could be really good. Like, I've heard really good things, um, but some of the some of the stuff they describe that happens in that movie sounds uh, extremely disturbing. And I don't, I don't know that I could visually put up with it. So. Fair, fair. No, I'm excited. I'm definitely a good wreck. I'm going to check this out. That's uh, Too Scary, Didn't Watch. Uh, you can find that anywhere you can find podcasts. Sounds like it, yeah. yeah Enjoying cool. it. Uh, so that takes us. That's actually a really good uh, <laughs> segue into my uh, plug of the week. Because, Megan, I, I think I think you know this because I told you. I actually watched Army of Darkness last night. Yep. Um, and that's not my plug of the week, but... I, I, I watched that because I'm following along with the current blank check season and they're doing Sam Raimi. So I'm watching one Raimi a week to, to, to keep up with it. So I, so I'm ready for the podcast every Sunday and I simultaneously a horror podcast. I listen to Halloweenies is also coincidentally covering the evil dead franchise right now. And they are going to do a, an episode covering the Ash versus the Evil Dead television series, which I bought on Vudu with, well, actually, yeah, I bought it on Vudu. I, I scanned one of those, uh, you know, one of those codes <laughs> from, and I got, I got three seasons of a stars television show for $2 in HD. Um, <laughs> so I have been watching that the last few nights and uh, it's 10 episodes a season. The episodes are about 30 minutes long. It 
is so damn funny and so damn gory. And I, I'm just, I'm having the, a blast with it. And it's so nice to see Bruce Campbell just kind of doing his thing out there. And, and, and especially having watched Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness in such quick succession to see him, basically to see him getting older and older playing the same character has been really, oh. <laughs> it's been really fun. Yeah. But, uh, cause God, I tell you, Megan, if you look at, if you look at Evil Dead 2, he was a beautiful man. Like th- this guy had like matinee idol looks when he was young and it, it's 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 crazy i you know? i looked up pictures as of um evil dead when they were talking about it because i'm like yeah. i don't think i've seen this like i thought i saw this movie i don't think i've seen this movie he, he was pretty he's a child in that movie but yeah he was yeah. pretty yeah yeah so anyway uh my so yeah so my recommendation is um ash versus the evil dead it's on stars i think if you have like if you subscribe to stars, I think you can watch it on demand, but, uh, but yeah, I have it on voodoo, but, uh, that's been really good. I'm about, I'm about halfway through like a season, I'm a season and a half into it and there are three seasons. So, so that's what I've been, that's what I'll probably wrap it up sometime this week or next. So, yeah. It sounded fun when it came out. Like I heard, I remember hearing and seeing commercials for it and, uh, I was like, Oh, could be cool. Sounds gory, which is, uh, it's like turn off for me. But well, it's like, yeah, it's like, and, and there's a third step in there too. Like, it sounds cool, sounds gory. Who has stars? Exactly. <laughs> Not me. Not this guy. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of the problem with heels too, you know? Oh yeah, I still really want to watch that, but I, I again, don't have stars. Yeah. Well, none of us have stars, but uh, you, our listeners, are our stars. Cool. Thank you. For uh, thank you for your patronage, <laughs> uh, and uh, we will be back next week with another episode of the Elite Beat. E Elite Beat E E Elite Beat. <laughs>